Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's always a pleasure coming your way, folks. I always love doing these programs. If this is all I did, eight hours a day, five days a week, first of all, I'd be exhausted. But <laughs> by the same token, I think I would also be energized as well by our guests as they bring you new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. The choice on the table, our smorgasbord table for today, is Shaman Heart, Sacred Rebel. That's the title of Stephanie Urbina's Urbina Jones' book uh, that is out and available through probably Amazon and all the other locations, as well as her website of shamanheart.org. Stephanie, welcome back to the program. You are returning. Thank you. It's great to see you. Thank you for having me back. You are very welcome. And we're going to talk about this book as well as all of the other things that you are doing, uh, being a powerful dreamer, dreamer and art <clears throat> artist of life. Uh, and in this case, folks, uh, once this shamana, uh, no, actually shamama sets her <laughs> intent on shamama. I like that. Uh, sets her intent on something. She's, she, uh, almost always brings it to life and has fun doing it. And she is a visionary, a visionary seer and regularly walks between the worlds. And that's something I want to talk to you about because I know that can be a challenge for some folks, but we'll get into that in a moment. You are all, you also are, you consider this normal, uh, all of this that I've mentioned before and uh, believe that um, you have an army of Mexican angels led by uh, Abuet, Abuelita Virginia uh, that guide and go that guide and guard her life and career. Interesting how our our backgrounds, our 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 uh, how we were born and raised, and our ancestry play such a pivotal role sometimes in what we have, what we become. Is is that kind of what you have found in your life? Absolutely. Um... I think it's no coincidence as we, you know, intentionally uh, retrace um, back to our roots, this map of our destiny. Almost always we find that those seeds that were planted in our hearts, in our homes, in the environment, both great and not so great, that these become what we come back to to discover who we're meant to be. Well, never more than now has it been clearer. We are a world longing for something that I've thought about for years. I was hoping to talk to Robert Bly about, but he turned me down for an interview. I was so disappointed. And that has to do with not just initiation, but with ritual and tradition and ceremony. Why? Because, you know, what the indigenous cultures knew and that what we are reclaiming and rediscovering is that as powerful as our mind is, it is a powerful tool that it is our body that has to come along for the ride to truly embody the new change, the new world, the new thoughts, the new experiences. 
when the heart and the mind and the body are aligned, that is when we truly can shift ourselves. And in doing so, we shift everyone around us and the world. Mm. And I found it interesting over the years, I have discovered these I don't even know, not even sure what to call them, but wise sayings. They may be not so wise, but nonetheless, that turn out to be lies. They're not true. The first one is uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie. <laughs> lie. Because, because each one of us, based upon our background, how we grew up and so forth, uh, we are either more susceptible and some less susceptible to the slings and arrows, as it were, uh, of um, outrageous vocabulary. It's, I know the word fortune, but in this case, I'm taking liberties. The other one is you can't change other people. Now, I will add the addendum. You can't change other people intentionally. But what you just said is, in essence, you can change other people when you change yourself. Yes, it's the secret. It really is the secret. You know, it's like so often many of us are trained and we have this natural born desire to give and to share and to do things when that comes from our own whole healed abundance and heart. That isn't, it's everything is a vibration. The Beach Boys sang it, yeah. you know, you know, I'm talking about a new vibration. We are that vibration. When we are joyful, when we are feeling good about who we are and grounded, every person in the grocery store, in our marriage, our children, our aunts, our uncles, they feel that vibration or not. And that yeah. we change, they change. My relationship with my daughter has transformed since I began this work, you know, because I'm present now in, I've made peace with my past. I've, I've turned my, I've gone back to those sacred wounds or stories that I were told some of them lies and empowered my own truth and understanding. I have an under, a feel a connection with my own divine nature and a God of my understanding. And that now is what my daughter gets to experience, you know, mm. and that gives her room to become who she's born to be, you know? So it really does. A, a revolution starts with a personal one. We are talking with Stephanie Urbina Jones. We're talking about her latest work. The, the book that we encourage you to go out and get a copy of it is entitled Shaman Heart, Sacred Rebel. Stephanie Urbina Jones is my guest, and you, my friends, are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I um, I find all of this fascinating because I myself was born and raised a, a Roman Catholic. I had the experience, uh, the great uh, pleasure, if you will, and experience of also learning about another element or another um, uh, facet of Catholicism, the Eastern Rite, a Byzantine Rite of the Catholic Church, much more um, ceremony-centric, if you will. Uh, you could video, could have videotaped uh, a mass that I attended back in the uh, mid-80s. 
and uh, it would look the same as that of today. Uh, the only change, of course, the homily, the sermon, if you will. But uh, for the most part, they st- and I have a believe it or not, I actually have a copy in hard in hardcover of the liturgy, uh, so I could follow along and I learned some of the Slavonic terms and phrases. It was really fascinating, and it really spoke to me. It really did, and I will say that it's it's not enough of a ceremony just to be able to wake up in the morning, get it again, and get out of bed, and then begin your routine. Okay, that's not enough. And I want to talk about that here on on this uh, this program. But I also want to let you folks know that, you know, you can go to her website and uh, find out more uh, about what she's all about, as well as continue to listen to this program, shamanheart.org, shamanheart.org. Org. And from fires to floods, droughts to disease, trauma to addiction, to violence in our schools, from background, backyard uh, barbecues with family, uh, few, <laughs> with family feuds, to the ongoing wars of the world, our uninitiated longing is everywhere. And I, I think that I have a real hard time with all of this, specifically the the man-made conflicts, because I often wonder what in the Sam Hill is their end game? I, I, I've and there are people who've explained it to me, but it still doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. And and of course, I even ask the question of of the creator. Well, what the heck is the creator's end game here? Well, I've come to understand, uh, Stephanie. That the creator, the divine, whatever, however you want to categorize, there is the end game is that there is no end game. Am I am I right? Well, I think it all depends on anybody's point of view. Ah. The end game, you know, I'm a Toltec teacher under the lineage of Don Miguel Ruiz. And so I really do. I I know personally that I created my own hell on earth or I was handed that through the agreements and the beliefs and the things in my own childhood and my, you know, seven generations back, um, the lineage that I'm carrying now epigenetics. Now they can qualify that trauma is passed down generationally, you know, mm. it's our DNA. So we're carrying all that. So we get we get this. This is our, here's your map, Stephanie, (laughs) you know, and it doesn't, it's not a joyful one. It's not one that I'm excited about my life. And then we have this opportunity, um, like we do to take it to ceremony or Mm -hmm. an initiation and turn that pain, those stories into an initiation and transform them. And so now I really do. My life is much more like living um, a heaven on earth, you know, and of course, because I, um, midwifed my grandmother to the other side, when she passed, I, I had an experience with the other side. So I do believe there is something more. That's interesting that you put it that way. You midwifed your, I'm sorry, did you say your mother or grandmother? My grandmother, my abuelita. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you? Isn't a midwife there to bring a, a, a child, a life into this world? Yes. But in this case, you were bringing, shall we say, a soul, a child, into 
the next world. Yes. And it was something that I never intended. My abuelita had been talking about dying for a couple of years. And then one day I was in Nashville and I got the phone call and she's like, Miha, I'm dying. And I knew I might, something woke up in me. It's like something mm. sat up and some wisdom, you know, stepped forward. And I flew to her bedside and I was in like communion mm. with her spirit as she was making her way. And it very much, you know, the doctor said, she's going to live. You guys can go home because she's going to live another day. And I was like, no, she's not. She's going to pass in the next, you know, I knew in the next hour. And we got to have our conversations and make our pieces. I called our family in and it was very much like a birth, you know, her, her breathing became labored, you -hmm. know, and that final breath that she took as she exhaled, I literally, and I, you know, it's crazy for me to see this and to know this. I watched a wisp of something come out of the top of her head. And I felt a jubilation that I had never experienced. It was so odd because there is basically the body, the carcass of my abuelita and she's gone. And I'm like, you know, poking her because it's almost like what's just happened. And, (laughs) you know, but at the same time, I felt jubilation and freedom. So, you know, in our work, in our world, you know, people, what I believe is my own experience. You can't challenge anybody's personal experience. You know? I, interviewed, I interviewed a gentleman not long ago. And when, when I say not long, weeks, within the last few weeks, his name is uh, Lion, believe it or not, Lion uh, uh, Good, Goodman. Hmm. And he has his own uh, clearing beliefs and so forth. And um, the thing that I found so interesting uh, about what he was saying as we were talking was that what you said, yes, we do have, we do all have our own perspectives. And uh, one of the analogies that I use and I have used for this program in, in the uh, almost 15 years where, well, we're in our 15th year. We'll celebrate it at the, uh, at the beginning of September of 2023, 15 years of doing this program. I use the analogy of a circle and there are points on this circle. And what we encourage people to do is to observe what's going on in the center from as many different points as possible. Now, that being said, that individual's perspective, no matter how many few or many points they are able to observe that event from, their perspective is still going to be totally and utterly unique. Now, it's actually helping me, and I'm hoping other people who heard the interview, to understand where other people are coming from by first saying to themselves, whatever their perspective is, it is no different than my perspective in that it's unique. Okay. It is neither right nor wrong. Let's talk a little bit about that because if we could start from that position in dialogue about whatever we want to talk about, sex, religion, politics, uh, the local grocery store, uh, relationship with family, friends, and so forth. 
if we could just start from there first, there might be relationships that would never have been severed. I agree. And I think, you know, it kind of brings me back to the heart of the idea of the book of sacred rebel. You know, I really feel as if our, our world and especially maybe our country is in its adolescence. If you think about adolescent kind of behavior or thoughts and the way we are, it's like super powerful and super all-knowing. It's my way. This is what I want, you know? Um, and as we kind of grow up, as we grow through, as we honor and truthfully are humbled by life, by initiations in life, whether it's a divorce or a death or a loss or a loss of the job or not having enough the resources, we're humbled. And in that humility, we're invited to have a greater understanding and compassion. And sometimes that's what it takes for some of us to kind of awaken and to grow back through. And that's why initiations or ceremonies are so important. You know, many of the indigenous cultures had ceremonies as part of every part of life that helped midwife. There's that word mm -hmm. people grow through to the next level, uh, a next uh, understanding in their life, you know? So um, mm. I do think, you know, of course I have my beliefs in all of those arenas and also as an artist, as a writer, as a mother, as a teacher, um, what I really try to hold is a compassion and an understanding and where yeah. we meet and find love and respect for each other, yeah. you know, and I try to hone that. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, because in that conversation I had, um, we came to the conclusion I should say I came to the conclusion based upon what he was sharing. There's no such thing as absolute truth. There's no such thing as absolute facts. Okay. Because everybody is viewing whatever it is that's being viewed through their filter, through their experiences, through their lives. And so, and it kind of goes back to that story that I remember hearing of a, a group of scientists who were conducting an experiment. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the experiment was. doesn't matter because they conducted the experiment and it was a success by their, their observation. They said, you know what? We need to do it again. We need to do it one more time to make sure, just to make sure they did it again. They got a different result. I'm going, what the heck? Okay. Let's do best two out of three. They did it again, a third result. And they, and they did it a few more times and they tried to figure out what in the world was causing this problem of, of a different outcome to this experiment. And then it finally dawned on one of them that it was them. They were affecting the experiment. <laughs> so we are affecting, as some people like to refer to this as the human experiment, there will be those of a more nationalistic perspective, say that America, the United States of America, let me be more specific because you've got Canada and Mexico are part of North America. Um, they refer to it as an, uh, the great experiment. And, and uh, you know, we're, and it, it's, it, the laboratory is still open and things are, 
I don't know. I think some of the Bunsen burners are on full and we need to turn those down. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but that really is is kind of where you're coming from, especially with with Shaman Hart and, and so forth, that um, uh, we we need to understand that, yes, our perspective is true, but it is only true for whom? For me. Yes. It isn't true and, for Stephanie. Right. And when we can, you know, our, our, the book is like, it's, this isn't an invitation into your own initiation. What is not working in your life? What is being, what, what is coming as we say for you again and again and again, I can't believe we hear that all the time. I can't believe this happened to me again. You know, as mm -hmm. you were saying, we are a mirror and we are attracting you know, the experience that is coming for us as an invitation to initiate or to grow through it over and over again. You know, if you see a common thread in a relationship that you've had with one partner and then a next, it's probably not them. It's, you know, it's within you and it wants your attention. And that's what we do at, you mm. know, Free Folk and Soul and we lead journeys of initiation of pilgrimages all over the world that are invitations for people to connect with their heart, with the map of their destiny, and to consciously step into who they were born to be. Mm. Freedom, folk, and soul. Tell me about that. Well, it's it was it was created uh, as a from our heart of a, a longing, a sacred longing. My husband has been adopted into the Lakota tribe. So he carries all of the traditions of the Lakota. We have a sweat lodge, Temescal in our front yard. We do vision quests. And then we lead these journeys that have ceremony or experiences that invite these parts of ourselves that are, you know, we could say that aren't working or a filter that keeps coming up, an agreement, a belief. You know, I'm not lovable. I'm not wanted. I'm not worthy. Those are very common ones. And through these journeys and these experiences, we there those parts of themselves come up and they get to do not battle, but they get to come to know the origin of that, where they came from. And then some kind of ceremony will help them move through it. And it quite literally changes their life. And mm. it changes their attraction. You know, mm. I can't believe it. I, you know, I have a job and people are treating me with respect. You know, it's whatever the story is for me, that has been what has changed my life. Oh my gosh. People treating you with respect. Oh, shocking. That's appalling. Where's <laughs> HR when you need them? <laughs> we're talking we're talking with stephanie stephanie urbina jones and uh shaman shamanic heart and uh, we're going to talk more about that as we continue here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and it is a pleasure to to have this conversation with you uh, um stephanie because i want to know more about the indigenous peoples of the americas now folks i've now gone through both hemispheres okay uh by the way if you don't know what a hemisphere is google it you should have learned that in school <laughs> in any event um because i had my dna checked 
um, you know, one of those tests where, you know, you, you spit into a tube and so forth. And it came back with something that I wasn't really expecting, although I think deep down inside, I kind of knew that I was uh, much less Irish than I was hoping, but I was glad. I was also 1% Eastern European Jew, which is probably the reason why I seem to have an affinity. If there was, if there was a faith that I, a philosophy that I would want to um, emulate because of all of the ceremony, all of the tradition, it would be Judaism. But the biggest part of my DNA was native North, Central, and South American Indians. Wow. And what's really interesting is as a child and a young adult growing up, when I was still living in Phoenix, Arizona, I wanted to stay as far away from the Indian population as possible because I didn't want to interfere. I felt that that they'd been interfered with enough. The last thing I need to do is stick my big old nose into into their business to figure out what's going on um and then it turns out oh i'm one of them okay well then i guess that changes everything and now i want to find out about and, and i'd like to talk to you about this i want to find out about the medicine and medicine is a big word it's not we're not talking about pills and surgery we're not talking just about that when you talk about the medicine of these different tribes, you're talking about a life and lifestyle, uh, a way of living, I should say, which is what we're looking for, that new, those new ways of living. Talk to us about the medicine that you have found in, is it uh, Toltec or your oh, husband is Lakota? My husband is Lakota, but I'm a Toltec teacher and- teacher. For me, just the word medicine, you know, it's, it, it could be a song. Oh, that was medicine for my heart. Mm. It could be, you know, there are people that are traveling and doing all kinds of plant medicine, but it could also be someone hearing your heart and this, gosh, what you said was medicine to my heart. So first of all, it can be anything like that. Mm -hmm. I will say again, after that experience with my grandmother, something was awakened and I went to Mexico because on her deathbed, she told me that I would be a mensajera of our culture. That's a messenger of our culture. So I went to Mexico and I was down there in, in school in San Miguel de Allende and I opened a newspaper and the only phrase that was in English was this one little phrase that said a gathering of healers. And I don't know I didn't know what that word meant at the time, you know, it was like, but I knew I had to go. And it was my first experience to work with an indigenous healer. And she did, you know, a medicine that I now carry, which is breath work with drumming. And the invitation in that experience is to get you out of your mind and into your body so that whatever is ready to come up and be seen and released can do so. Um, that was such a profound experience for me that I became almost a, a, a healer junkie. I hate to say that, but I am <laughs> always I'm always traveling around the world. I'm always working with medicine keepers, wisdom keepers, 
Um, they are my mentors. Um, I lead journeys in Peru with Jorge Luis Delgado, who is one of the leading Andean mystics. Um, and so we work with the Queros and, you know, when you're in that experience, you become attuned to those understandings. The more you do it, it's like going to school. You start to absorb that. And as I speak, my hands are getting hot. I'm, you know, I work with Reiki. I'm a Reiki master. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> right. So I, I, I work with and study under um, Don Alvaro um, in Teotihuacan, Mexico and Doña Emma and um, working with a, uh, an, uh, a shaman from Africa who throws the bones. It's fascinating to me how we call it great mystery, spirit, God uh, works through whatever the um, whatever the vehicle or the divination objects, you know, some people pull medicine cards. I have my own deck of shaman heart medicine cards. It's a way to connect with the divine. Um, and when you asked about the uh, indigenous, I feel as if they have a relationship with all of life. They're mm. connected to the great mother, the Pachamama, and they're connected to all of those indigenous cultures were connected to the stars and to astrology and to life, all of life, all the animals. And that disconnection over time is what is a sacred longing for us to reconnect because that basically is our own nature, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so Richard, you've come to the, you've met the right person. This is what we do. <laughs> we work with shamans and medicine people of all faiths and traditions all over the world. Well, I think that one of the things that really bolsters me because of where we live, because where of where I live. Uh, here in Santa Barbara, I live actually up above Santa Barbara. Um, I call it up on the hill. I got taken to task by someone who's been here a lot longer than me saying, it's not a hill, it's a mountain. And you're, you're, you're making it sound like it's not as big of a deal and it's going to make it dangerous for people to be quiet. Just be quiet. You know, I can call it whatever I want. You can call it what you want. I am not being disrespectful. It is a dangerous highway and you better keep your wits about you, but be that as it may, it's in nature. And I have uh, always loved being outside working in nature, whether we have to prepare the area to uh, prevent uh, wildfires from spreading up to the house, you know, that kind of thing, uh, uh, protection or uh, trimming this or planting that chickens. We have a dog and cats and we've had a bear on the property. We've had bobcats. So we've had uh, um, a quail and, and you know, when they're around, because if you get too close, you hear that tick 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 warning the kids watch out there's there's danger even though there isn't but that's their that's their nature but this is the phrase that has come out for me and i would love for you to dive into this especially you've already you've already started <laughs> nature is our best not one of the our best teacher yes oh yes it's the it's just right there. It's like, it's teaching us all the time, the seasons, you know, for me, I am such a, you know, strong-willed woman. You know, I, I 
can just really hold on to something. And, you know, the leaves on the trees, as simple as that, every single fall, they drop their leaves so that they can make, you know, new life can be born. And there is this season of darkness. There's the season in the winter time that is an invitation for us to go inward, not to, you know, for me, I'm so programmed to be like on my American spirit. It's like, I got to be on, I got to be like this. If I can tune into the seasons of life mm-hmm. and allow myself to rest and renew, you know, if yeah. I can, you know, in the, uh, in Peru, uh, it's the, it's the, it's the birthplace of the children of the sun and everyone there that we work with their daily practice. The first thing they do is they walk outside and they greet the father, son, and they take that sun into their heart and they let it illuminate every cell of their body. Can you imagine when you do that as if it were an exercise every single day within just a few days, you wake up feeling empowered like the sun same thing with the rain we're so uncomfortable so many of us with our emotions like it's raining you know surrender to our emotions i mm. feel so much better after i have a great cry it's like the windshield wipers to my soul have like you know something is i don't even have words for it I'm feeling young inside. I wouldn't even know that. I'm just not, I'm just twisted up about something. And finally, if I can just cry, it's just like, it just moves that energy through. So all of nature, not to mention the stars and the Milky Way, it's like, just go outside and lay under the stars and imagine them beaming into your heart. (laughs) It's there, right? Uh, you, you, the way you phrase that, it's like, just go outside. I dare you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Go outside. <laughs> you can see I live on a river here in Nashville. So oh. the river, the water's there, the trees, you know. Gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Shaman Heart Sacred Rebel is an invitation into your own initiation. And may these... May these uh, these uh, intimate real life stories and healing wisdom awaken a sacred longing to step into your own authenticity and become who you were born to be. We are talking with Stephanie Urbina Jones about this work, and we will continue doing so where here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host and I want to ask you, and I'm sure in your travels, you've probably come across all kinds of indigenous peoples, but more specifically, and what's kind of sad is that some of them have been discovered in the jungles, especially down in, in South America in particular. Um, and when I see these documentaries, I hear commentary almost along the lines of, We need to bring them into the modern age. And I sit there going, why? (laughs) They're happy. At least I think they're happy. Okay. I would have no problem getting rid of this. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Taking off my shoes and socks, uh, running through the uh, the woods, the the, the jungles. 
Of course, I'm not a real fan of the heat, mind you, but nonetheless, naked, okay, or with a loincloth at least. I just, I just, I, I, when I hear that, I'm going, wait a minute. Uh, could we adopt the prime directive of non-interference, please? You want to observe? Fine. Just make sure you aren't observed but and learn from them. Why is it that we always, is, and again, not I'm not being nationalistic or anything. I'm just as human beings. There are certain human beings that seem to feel as if they've got to go and change people. Now, yes, I said earlier, you can change people, but it can't be intentional. And in this case that I'm talking about, they're doing it intentionally. And we've, we've seen that in the founding of the United States, but we've seen it around the globe where they go in and the indigenous peoples of whatever country uh, it is, uh, they have to, so to speak, whip them into the proper shape to fit into the society that is coming in to conquer, as it were. Do you come across any of these tribes, uh, any of these peoples in your travels and 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 interact in any way or do you stay away or I'm just curious about your experiences in that regard, if 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 you have those? Well, I I feel really blessed because I I have worked with a lot of indigenous healers that are bridge people. They are, you know, you might have seen them on some of the documentaries. They're renowned, they're respected, and they have been called at this time on the planet to share their wisdom and their understandings in these, you know, in a more public way. My experience with them across the board, every single one of them carries not only this deep, deep wisdom, but the heart of a child. And that is almost always what their invitation is, is like, even if there's all this suffering in the world, find the love, find the joy and grow that. And of course, when they're doing some kind of healing, sometimes they're pulling out some painful experiences or things that are held in the body or the mind, mm -hmm. but it's all to get back to that wisdom and that love, that purity and that innocence. So, you know, back to your question, um, I'm sure that the people that I've worked with come from those tribes, but I, that's not what I'm aware that they're putting their attention on. They're putting their attention on right here, right now, being present in that moment with me or with whoever that they are working with. Um, I do think it is heartbreaking. And, you know, I hope that more and more of us, you know, back to the earlier question, are having a personal revolution and awakening. And, you know, I was talking to somebody recently, I mean, 20 years ago, you know, yoga was weird or acupuncture. And now all of these um, healing ways are very uh, popular. People are longing and looking. So, you know, yes, it is sad. And it is also the way of the world right now. And uh, I, I like the way you've put that, the way of the world right now. Uh, it wasn't the way of the world 
centuries ago. Uh, and it, it, it changed and it can change and it will change again. That's just sort of the, if I'm using the right word, the evolutionary process of man, of the human, of the species. Uh, uh, and, and, and I often wonder, you know, there are those who say that man is at the top of the quote unquote food chain. I sometimes question that when I see certain stories of individuals who usually will receive posthumously the Darwin Award mm -hmm. for doing. I saw a gal standing in front of a bison in Yellowstone taking a selfie. She was so lucky that that animal did not suddenly get up and attack her because oh, that's right. what they were talking about is. Yep, that could happen, you know, and 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 people take chances and all this kind of stuff. And and, and that's why I say I don't know that we're necessarily it's like if uh, if if aliens came here looking for intelligent life, I think they need to go to the animals because uh, the humans are not really showing collectively a, a great intelligence, um, especially today. But this has been going on for for centuries. But. It it does it will change. I mean, it's just that's sort of like the natural order of things, isn't it? I I believe so. I mean, I you know I I think my piece or I, where I find my piece is that I'm a part of taking responsibility for my life and the and then you know in inspiring, connecting to your vibe attracts your tribe. We have a big tribe with freedom, folk, and soul people that are waking up people that are retracking back to their the, their old agreements or stories or beliefs and making those sacred wounds turn it into their medicine and to their love and serving the world from that now that mm. they have that understanding and wisdom. So that's where I put my attention that if today were my last day, I am on purpose. I am here doing what I love with who I love, totally turned on by my life and by the people I get to live it with. And that's enough for me today. And that seems to be what inspires others, you know? And I would add uh, to your words, they would be mine as well, but I would add to that, uh, that if this were my time to go, I'm good. I'm good with that because there's I can't do nothing I can do about it anyway, for starters. OK, is there more I want to do? Oh, you bet there is. But at the same time, uh, we go when we go. I I just I just lost my father on the first of March of this year. And it was it was it was rather extraordinary because I knew the man was almost 92 would have made it to 92 if he'd made it to August of this year. Um, as a matter of fact, as of this conversation with you and I, uh, tomorrow would have been my parents' 66th wedding anniversary. Uh. So, But the thing that was so fascinating for me is two things. And I want to have you delve into this as well before we take another pause. There's nothing that was unsaid between my father and I, um, especially knowing, and I know this because of, of, of an experience I had with him, uh, at the, after the memorial of my eldest sister, 
and um, uh, my my uh, myself and my mother and my niece drove back to my parents' townhouse. But my brother had gone with us to the memorial. My father watched it on Zoom because of his his uh, uh, he just he, he just gets tired would get tired really fast. So we're back there, and my dad comes into the room and says, "Where's your brother? Where's Mike?" And I thought I would be cute, thought I could tell a little joke, you know. Uh, Dad, we had to sell him to put gas in the car. And he got mad. And he said, when I ask a question, I want an answer. And I apologized for trying to be cute. And I said, he'll he'll be coming with um, so on and so on and so on later. And, and that was fine. Well, that evening, as I'm making up the couch, my father walks into the room. And he and I face him and he says, I want to apologize for getting upset earlier. And I said, with hands on his shoulders, Dad, I love you. And you will always be my father and we are good. <laughs> and my wife and I had the privilege to uh, the day, the night before his passing to talk to him on the phone and even have video. And I uttered almost those same words. But the second part of it was that that my father and I shared because he shared this with me. And I wish that I had been able to to impart to him how important he was in our lives. We had this conversation where I talked about how, you know, oh, man, you've really done this and that and the other. And we we were so grateful. And I, I got to tell you what you've taught me and da, da, da. And he would say, oh, no, no, no. I, all the credit goes to your mom. You know, I. Because he didn't feel as though he had an impact in our lives. And yet at his memorial, if you were to give a title, and we all wrote our our messages separately, independently. But if you were to write a title to that memorial, it would be, we wouldn't be who we are if it weren't for you, Dad. And... Yet my mother told me after his passing that they were there around him singing. She said, we sang him into heaven. You talk about a midwife experience. It wasn't just my mother. My mother, I think one or two of my sisters, my my late sister's uh, husband, uh, and a couple of other folks, maybe two of my other nieces and so forth. And they had chairs around his his bed singing. And my mother told him, you can go. And when you do, you'll be able to see and you'll be able to hear. And when she shared this with me, I said, and he'll be able to walk without falling down. The experience of my parents, both my mother still living and my father now passing passed on, has been so... I have to say profound. And I would think that you probably had just from your description of her passing, but also the life that she lived around you, that that was really profound. I am. And I'm curious, are your parents still around? My parents are still around. Uh, My dad is my person. And so, you know, if I have any fear uh, the terror that can grip me every once in a while, you know, is the loss of him or my daughter or my husband. Like that is, uh, 
even though I've had this sacred, profound experience, you know, of, of midwifing my grandmother, I'm this human that just loves my dad so much. And he and I, like, like your dad, we are so close. And so I can get teary just hearing your story, you know, well, and I've our, got teary telling it <laughs> uh, you know, in our traditions, the Toltec traditions, uh, the angel of death is the teacher of life. Mm-hmm. So right. Right. Because it really does. It just brings us back to what is important yeah. and what's not. And I mean, the fact that you have that gift of, you know, him knowing that all is well and how grateful you are. It's so amazing. It's just amazing. And it's amazing to me too, how we are able to, before we come into this world, choose our environment, choose our parents and even our siblings. Um, I mean, it was six. My my parents gave, uh, brought into this world six new individuals. One of them has already gone on, uh, but she's still there. My father is still, that's the amazing thing. They were occupying a body, so they're only in one place. Now they're everywhere. And it's fantastic because I, <laughs> I talked to my dad uh, quite a bit. I would venture you talk to your mother. Do you have what some might call supernatural experiences in regards to your grandmother? I do. When my grandmother was passing on her deathbed, like I said, she walking between the world. She was talking to my grandfather on the other side, which many people do. And then she was talking to me. And then in this transcendent moment, she took my hand and said, you're going to be a mensa head or you're going to be, you know, a messenger of our culture. And so um, that is what I've devoted my life the last 20 years to. I you know, as a musician, as a writer, my music is, you know, I made history bringing mariachi to the Grand Ole Opry stage. My music is called Honky Tonk Mariachi. It's country music with mariachi. And then it is a bridge, you know, sharing these sacred ways with people of all walks of life from all over the world. Um, And so she is Oftentimes, supernatural things will happen that I absolutely know. Last week, I was in Mexico shooting a video and my manager was there. And we found out that there was a place that I specifically wanted to shoot this video with uh, with all the mariachis in front of the parochio, this gorgeous church in the center of San Miguel de Allende. And the night before, my manager found out that you have to have a permit. And I said, I don't need a permit. I don't need a permit. And so he was very worried. And so when the moment came down, I just led the mariachis up to the steps. And then the police turned the corner. And uh, if you can imagine, the, 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 the videographer, one of the videographers was his good friend. And within a few minutes, you know, we had drones and cameras and I knew that was her. And the next day we shot a scene. I was riding a black stallion in this corral and it was about to rain. It was gray skies. And on the very last moment, the skies opened up this just funnel of light on on as if it was a world stage. And so I'm singing and I'm crying and I'm laughing because I know Virginia and the heavens are 
a part of this, not just for me, but to, you know, share with other people that we're not alone. Yeah. We're always in connection with our loved ones. I did not know my grandmother on my father's side very well, but I did know my grandmother on my mother's side, um, Abuelita. Uh, she was, every time they called her, the adults would call her, um, uh, I think it was more of a nickname, Chona is how they referred to her. But I still remember when she would call us, Mijo, Mija. <laughs> Um, And of course, my mother could listen to conversations and even speak in Spanish with them. Uh, We never learned it because uh, we just didn't. And um, I basically just listened for my name. You know, if it wasn't Richard, it was Ricardo. And I knew that I was either in trouble or it was time to eat or something. But so many memories. I had a dream of her as well, which I'll, I'll share with you another time. But it was quite profound. No words spoken, a hug given to, rem- to sh- just to let me know, like my sister, when I heard her voice after her passing, the hug was, it's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Uh, I remember I was almost uh, thrown out of the church because I was so over overcome. And I was only, I don't know, 10 or 11 or something. I can't even remember how old I was, but those people, that have been in our lives like that, that is, it's, it's just incredible. Sometimes you have to wonder what, what did I do right to be gifted with these people in, in my life? Um, I am so grateful as you, I'm sure are of all of the people living and having passed on. Uh, oh, and by the way, a sidebar about the word passing on or transitioning. I uh, got taken to task by Bernie Siegel in an interview where he was sharing about the passing of his wife. I should rephrase that about the dying of his wife. And when I made reference to his wife transitioning, he said, what are you talking about? She didn't transition. She died. Why can't we use the word die? And I said, and all right, with all due respect to Bernie, you know, and I appreciate his perspective, you know, Um it's just incredible. I, 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 in spite of all of the things that are going on in my life right now, that some would say, "Oh my God, I, I'm surprised you're still alive with all of this stuff." You, the stress must be un. And yet, I can relieve that stress when I start looking at all the things that I'm grateful for, the people and the experiences, and just all of it. Mm-hmm. Is that part of? One, some of what we are going to find in Shaman Heart. Yes, yes, yes. Because when we have the courage and to take our stories or our wounds or our pains, the things that are unresolved, the relationships that are unresolved to task when we can go back into them through ceremony and experience um, and be witnessed, we are able to bring those younger parts of ourselves home. And when we do, we become love. Mm -hmm. We just become generosity. Speaking of Native American, you know, when we can 
You know, there are people in this book, there's all kinds of traumas that happened. And I believe that many of them are generational. You know, it's in their lineage. And we believe in our traditions that we say seven generations forward and seven generations back, we're carrying that and that this generation is the generation that there we can take responsibility of our wounds, of our stories, of their stories. If there was sexual abuse, if there was, you know, whatever it was, mm-hmm. we can take responsibility of that and we can heal and transform it. And that's why you hear a lot of the indigenous people saying, we are the ones we've been waiting for. This is the time because it is where those, the, the past is meeting the present and more and more of us are standing in it and being willing to take responsibility and let go and truly transform. And, you know, my mm. ex-husband says, my ex-husband says, I don't even know who you are. You're not the woman you were, you know, when we were married. And, you know, I have deep compassion. I was in a lot of pain. I was carrying a lot of trauma. I didn't know how to change until I found these ways. And then mm. I rapidly transformed my life and my, my being. Mm -hmm. And I do, I live in, I live in gratitude. I, my first thought every morning is I'm excited about the day. And, you know, Richard, I spent years like chronically depressed, Mm. hard to get out of bed. um, And that was trauma in my body. And so, yes, yes. Gratitude. Yes. You can rewriting that story, but the body has to come along. Yeah. And that's the gold, if you will. That's the gold, G-O-L-D in life is the gratitude. And you'd think, well, wait a minute, but if, if I'm being grateful, how how is that gold? You know, I don't understand. Where because as you have been saying, and 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 I've been going through the same thing this last two two years in particular, of working, doing the work. I have to, I have to do the work. Not not only because No one else is going to do it for me, but because I know I have to do this work to move forward to whatever the next step the universe has for me, whether it's staying in this world and moving forward on whatever it is or, okay, and now you're going to go to the other side and you're going to help the people here. By the way, that's something else I want to ask you about before we wrap things up here. And that is, it was said to me in an interview that the other side, so to speak, the spirit realm honors us because we have chosen to come into this world at this particular time. What makes this particular time so unique from any other time in human history? Because I think it is like, you know, and a lot of the the beliefs are that this is the rebirth, the coming of the age of Aquarius, where you know, it's kind of like you could see it, you know, the, the not a battle, but this is like, this is the way it's been. And this is what we've created with our mind and with our pain and with the trauma for generations. But what's different is that now we have this awakening. We have all these mentors and teachers and understandings in a way that we can 
uh, transmute and transform the pain within us, mm-hmm. the suffering within us and generations that came before and not live there. And there's that living heaven on earth, like living mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that I don't feel pain, that I don't, if I'm not triggered, I am, but I have tools to work through it. Instead, it's like homework. And I do that homework because I like living this way. It mm-hmm. feels great to be in right relationship with life, to feel joy most of the time and excitement and purpose. You yeah. know, so that's what's different is that we can change. We have the tools to get into right relationship with our heart. Yeah. And then with, yeah. I, I have to say too, that um, all of what you're talking about is stuff that isn't written down. Now, yes, I understand there is the shaman heart <laughs> and I understand that we want people to get a copy, but when it, when it comes to the truths for our lives, uh, it was said, I remember in one of the programs I went through years ago, it was said that truth is only truth until it's written down. Hmm. And it's that's a valid point from the standpoint of what I have been p- pondering for the last few decades, uh, especially after working 15 years for in a Christian radio station, after being born and raised Catholic and all of the experiences that I've had along the way. And now I'm starting to hear these different these, these different uh, positions, if you will, about different aspects, specifically from the Christian philosophy, as I like to refer to it as a philosophy. And it's like, oh, and wait a minute, you're saying that actually the correct word in that particular uh, uh, um, uh, passage is this. Well, then why wasn't the word changed? We've been re we've been writing uh, uh, down the Bible for the past. 15, 1600 years, and that word has maintained its position. And you're saying, oh, no, actually, the, the correct translation of that Hebrew or that Aramaic or whatever is this. And I say, no, it's not, because if it was, it would have been changed by now. Don't, you know, don't start pulling the wool over my eye. In other words, a lot of the the arguments, or I shouldn't say arguments, a lot of the positions don't make sense. And a lot of people who uh, are surveyed these days who are asked, uh, you know, are are you uh, religious or are you spiritual? Do you go to church? Those kinds of things. My father was one who no longer believed in the institution. In the institution, he believed in God. He believed in a creator. And he lived his life that way. Um, but a lot of people are saying enough already. This is this is hypocrisy. This is not, you know, you know. They talk about uh, uh, the opulence, for example, of televangelists, and it's like, where do you see Jesus riding around in a golden uh, 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 a carriage or something, uh, wearing uh, uh, you know, you know, golden shoes, and on and on and on and on and on and on. He was amongst the poorest of the poor. He did not live a wealthy life. And he worked with his hands. Now, that's what I want to see in government. I want to see people with calluses on their hands. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that we have to walk around in sackcloth and ashes and, and, and in poverty. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we've lost we've lost touch with what is really true for the human existence, the spiritual being living in a human body. 
Uh, and and I think that's really the, that's kind of my point. And I think that's what you're trying to say through shamanic heart, shaman heart. The shaman, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we work with people of all walks of faith, and we respect everyone's path and their own understanding, because that's just what it is. My job is to hold sacred witness and to be of support and compassion while someone basically goes back to the heart of their hurt or where their conditioning or origin of pain that is this generation or past came that created that filter that you're talking. And yeah. once they get to that, and that is like, it's like the heart can sing its song. And, and, and if that is still in alignment, whatever faith, whatever religion or institution, um, that is, I support whatever is in their personal liberation and connection to a God or creator of their understanding. Mm. I love that your dad had the, um, the courage or whatever it was that called him to find his own understanding and to stand in that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, my he shared that, and he shared that with us as well as as we grew up yeah. and, and i stopped going to mass at 16 because my mom said okay you don't have to go and in my 20s i said why did you do that she says because i didn't want you to push away from the church now she's not a practicing catholic and neither am i but i didn't push away i guess i said earlier in the program i still have a great love and and reverence for and appreciation of the rituals traditions and the ceremonies uh and uh i hope that never leaves stephanie urbina Jones, my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan and Stephanie, uh, I want to thank you so much for being with us here on the program. Time goes by so fast and um, I am just, I'm so excited about the future, but more so about the present. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm not a, I'm not a seer in that respect, but what I do know is that I've always been an optimist and I know you are too, uh, from the standpoint that it's going to be all right. Just Go ahead and hold on to the handrail. It's going to be all right. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for what you do. This Your storytelling, your inquiry, and it's, it's illuminating. And it's really, um, I'm inspired by what you do. So thank you for having me on. I'm honored. Well, thank you. And I hope we get to have you back again to talk more about uh, the work that you are doing and maybe even talk about some of the travels that you've been on and the people that you've come across uh, that have um, obviously uh, uh, impacted your life in many different ways. And that, that's the beautiful thing about uh, establishing any kind of relationship, no, how, no matter how superficial or deep, there is uh, an impact on each one of our lives as you have impacted my life. And I appreciate that. I do have three final questions that I do want to ask you that I uh, asked you the last time you were on the program. But I first want to say thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And we are on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for that's a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are on SoundCloud with our podcasts, as well as Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. You can 
be a part of the conversation, so to speak. And uh, we hope that you will also click notification, notify, so that when I do post a new conversation, you'll be notified and you can listen to that as well. We also ask that if you can support the work we are doing financially, we would greatly appreciate it. I know we've been through all kinds of times, folks. Hey, I was doing this program back in 2008, 2009. Guess what? I'm still here. Uh, and we'll be here long after whatever it is that's going on right now is going on and then moves on to something else. And uh, so we hope that you can do that. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. The email address you want to put in to whom to send it to is Richard at richarddugan.com. We also ask that you spend time going within, spending time in that quiet, peaceful, calm, still place and listening to the still small voice. And you can call it whatever you like. My, um, I call mine my friend. And uh, my friend has helped me out in more ways than I can possibly say. But with all that being said, we go to our final three questions for our special guest here on the program. The first of which is, who is Stephanie Urbina Jones? A dreamer, a powerful dreamer mm -hmm. and lover of life and uh, yeah. What is your life's purpose? Hmm. To not only dream, but to teach people how to bring their dreams to life. And finally, what was your best day? <laughs> My best day. I'm thinking right now that my best day was the day I got married to my husband now. And all our family came together and we created a medicine wheel, um, bringing our ceremony and traditions into this sacred ceremony. And it was as much about our community and our intent to um, be present for other people um, mm. as it was for our love. Mm. And and then we danced all mm. night. <laughs> Very good. Lots of dancing. Need to do that. Lots well, of dancing. Stephanie, again, thank you so much for being with us here on the program. I've really enjoyed this, and I do look forward to talking with you again down the road. Thank you so much, Richard. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, this last part gets longer as life goes on. Love to all. Jeanette, I am listening. And dad, be happy.